Welcome back to Beyond the First Response. It's Christy Lister here. It's Sierra Dooley Madrid. How are you, Sierra? Good. How are you? Good. So we were having an interesting conversation and interpretation of a quote in an article that you read. This article is back from 2005, correct? Or that's when Uh, the event happened. That's when the event happened, yes. Do we know when this quote was actually stated then? Um, Nine years ago, that's all. Okay. Nine years. Which really isn't that long ago in the world of getting old as adults. (laughs) That was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a quote from a uh, a chief of police. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say the chief's name. Or the police. Or the department. But this, I think, is a mindset often put on the first responder world that then I have to say floats through the doors of their personal residence as well. Our focus is to get our officers back to work where they can put it behind them the best that they can. And the biggest key is the support of the department. Does that sound like it's support from the department? Absolutely not. Because um, as we know, when you're in a traumatic experience on the job, you don't just put it behind you. It's with you. Right. It's learning how to get through it instead of going, okay, come on, get over it. We need you back on the job. Like that's, to me, that's part of the stigma. Correct. And in reality, these officers probably didn't even talk about it, even in a debriefing didn't talk about it, didn't, weren't required, especially back then, to seek help. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sucked it up, and the call that was coming over the radio at that time is what they went to next. Well, obviously, in a, in a shooting, they're on administrative leave for a little while. Right, yeah. And, I'm, I mean, and um, as it says in the article, there, you know, one of the officers, or the officer that was part of the shooting. Um, there was three, but the one uh, specifically said he didn't actually deal with the the trauma of the event until he was no longer a police officer. So that means that he actually had the woosah from being on the job to sit down and do the hard work. And we totally understand everybody's not going to just, you know, not be a police officer anymore with traumatic events. But that's where it comes in where your supervisors and your chiefs and, you know, everybody above you needs to go, okay, we don't want to rush this. We know you need help. We know this was bad. Let's figure out how we can do this together instead of, hey, you need to come back in for your shift on Thursday. Right. But... They're shorthands. They think if I don't have them come back in, I'm going to burn overtime by keeping somebody over. You know, they go down that financial rabbit hole. And what needs to change is your budget, albeit extremely important to run your police department or your fire department or your dispatch center, is not as important as the mental wellness for your department for your dispatch center, for your fire station, for the families that that officer or that first responder is coming home to because they're going to come home and they're going to stay shut down and they're going to self-medicate in any way that they potentially can if not provided the correct training or the correct tools 
to work past that. Not just the tools, but the backing and the support of everybody in the department to use those tools after. Because you can give people the tools. We can teach it, right? We can teach it to every department in this country. But if they're not actively engaging and helping these officers with their mental health, then there's no point of having the tools, right? I mean, yes. there is a point, but you know what I mean. So uh, and I wanted to add that. No, comment. that's okay. And the flip side to that coin is that officer, dispatcher, fireman has to do the work yes. to get there. Whether you feel your department is supporting you or not, whether you feel your family is supporting you or not, don't get angry with them. They don't understand because you're not telling them. The people that understand are the department and they don't want to talk about it. So give yourself the strength, the grace to do the work. It's hard, especially if you're waiting years after you are no longer an off, um, first responder, an active first responder, because you're always a first responder, an active first responder. But do the work for yourself, not for anybody else, but for yourself. And that trickles down and shows your family that you're there, that it's not them. It shows your department that you yourself are strong and resilient. Yep. Otherwise, it, it breaks people down. Oh, yeah. Completely yeah. breaks people down. And there has to be something in place. Uh, we had a mass shooting this week here, two uh, sheriff's department involved, police department involved. Um, you know, then you get all these questions. Well, why do you, why do you, why do you, as they're doing press releases. They talked about having the start of, you know, uh, this critical incident debriefing, critical incident help on scene. Now, it was not a, a police-involved shooting, mm -hmm. but... It's just the fact that they're there. They're there. You have to see that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they had that support. Now, how people take that support, that's up to that individual. But we can only hope that they realize the ability to do that and to have a department that's starting to shift is huge. I have a quote here because, you know, why not? You have quotes? <laughs> I have quotes. Uh, the most damaging phrase in the language is, we've always done it this way. That's by Grace Hopper, U.S. Navy Rear Admiral. So that's the fact of the matter in anything. We've always done it this way. Why would we do it any different? Right. But when your way's broken in so many different forms, uh, that's when you start looking at different ways to handle things. But do you think that they realize their way is broken or that's just what they know and they don't know how to change it? So that's just the way we've always done it. I think to some extent they do know, you know, especially in these states. I, I'm going to say states because let's be real. It starts at the top and goes from to the bottom, right? So if the state is ran by somebody that doesn't believe in mental health help for our first responders, your chiefs of police, your sheriffs, they're not going to believe it, right? They're not going to be on board with it. And, you know, the mindset is there and it's not going to change. But in other states where you see proactiveness going forward for mental health, you see less numbers, so to speak. Um, 
and I'll use my state as an example. You know, we we have recorded an average of four each year of first responder suicides. Um, I I know of four that were never reported, but I don't even know just this year, or I'm sorry, 2023, they were never reported because I can't get names from people. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay. We want this information, but that just shows that it's just so stigmatized and that they're going to talk about it. They're going to have their peer supports. They're going to say, yeah, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. But when it's not actually happening, it's not actually happening. I won't say every department in my state's bad. I will say my city actually has something that I think is amazing. There is um, two staff uh, therapists, quote unquote, that work with the police department, and they go on critical incident calls with the officers to help them. Or and they're also there. So like if somebody calls in and it's a mental health. Um, they call in, you know, about a mental, uh, a victim or, you know, somebody in a mental health episode. Um, they go with the officers too to help deescalate the situation. And which is great because, as we know, our first responders are not clinicians. They are not therapists. They are not psychologists. And nowadays, they have to be, you know, on these calls. So having the support staff there for them, not only for them, but for the civilian too, is remarkable because you go on a bad call, like a mass shooting, and you have somebody standing next to you saying, let's talk about this. You know, let's go have a cup of coffee. You know, if you don't want to talk about it right now, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's deescalate us and talk about this so we can get through it. And that needs to happen more. Absolutely. And while you were talking, I was pulling up um, statistics because on average, as you said, for um, so far this year reported to the numbers for First Help. So you can go to firsthelp.org backslash the numbers. You can go to firsthelp.org backslash submit a first responder. Um, And this surprises me because I usually hear about things and I haven't. It's also been a, 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 week. a, a week, a month. It's been a month. But um, there's already six reported. Oh, really? So wow. there's six reported, one in Illinois, which would probably be potentially up by our area, um, uh, one in Texas, one in Georgia, one in Pennsylvania, one in Maryland, and I'm trying to figure out where that is. One, two, three, four, five. I don't know where the sixth one is. Is it New Jersey? Is May... it the one I, re- I reported in the oh, New Jersey one yesterday? I bet it is. So it's just not up on this map yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So at the end of the day, if you keep doing things the same way, you're going to get that same result. You know, that's the, the definition of insanity continuously doing the things the same way, but not making any change. Right. Healthy change. Healthy change. Your families deserve that. More so you as the person in crisis or as the person not able to comprehend what's happening inside deserves it. And we talk about, you know, top to the bottom, but let's reverse that. Make that change. Good leaders come from recognizing struggles in other people and in themselves. There are a lot of good leaders that are at the bottom. 
or oh, absolutely not with a heavy pay or heavy, um, you know, title behind them, right? Rank. Rank, yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what rank you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what race you are, what anything. Be the one to step up and say, hey, I'm struggling, or hey, I'm using our EAP. Hey, I am in need of help. Not okay. And I am not okay. Mm-hmm. There's so many resources out there for you. Absolutely. That you might not feel your department is there. It, this sounds terrible because, yes, you, that job is, is life, much like our jobs consume us often. Mm-hmm. But you're expendable to any job. doesn't matter what kind of employment you have. You're expendable. The only person that you need to be accountable to is yourself and getting yourself help. If they support that and they recognize it and they help you through, fantastic. They are finally understanding that what community truly is, what family truly is. If they are not, shame on them, Mm -hmm. but advocate for yourself. It's hard. It's scary. But advocate. Absolutely. It's the vulnerability, right? And when you say, I'm not okay, you are being vulnerable. But vulnerability is so much stronger than saying, no, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. It's it's interesting that we're talking about this today because I came from a diversity committee meeting um, at a association that I I work with as a member and I sit on committees. And we were talking about they were talking about, I was listening and interjecting a little bit. They brought it up. They were talking about how they can't imagine how difficult it is to have to make that decision in such a short amount of time. Like you're trained, your muscle memory is trained to kill, right? And in the case of officer shooting, um, you're trained to protect yourself. Right. You have to train to protect yourself because it's that that short space between you two right you know less than 10 seconds can make or break if you're going home to your family and it i think they learn somewhere especially after years is how to turn off that emotion for those split seconds and then it comes back on they all have it whether they're stoic and say they don't or not they do have it because, unfortunately, those are the ones that we see struggle the most are the ones that say they don't have that emotion after something traumatic like that. Uh, they stuff the emotion away. Yes. They don't. They choose there. not to feel. Right. But it's still there. Yes. But, that, the, the, but like you were saying, those split seconds when it's life or death, they learn to turn, turn your emotion, their emotion off because it's their job and they're not just there to save themselves or even the suspect, they're there to save themselves, the suspect, the suspect's family, their family, the community, everybody. Like, that's the way their minds think. Yeah. Um, so they find ways to self-medicate. And the definition, we'll see if I can read this. The definition of self-medicate is choose and take medicines oneself rather than prescription or expert advice. Take addictive or habituating drugs to relieve stress or other conditions. Often, when we're thinking about that, that just goes straight to medica- medication. Uh, but that's 
going on shopping sprees. That's alcohol. That's having affairs. Yes, it is. It's prostitutes. Prostitutes, Yeah. It's, you know, uh, gambling. Mm -hmm. It's that quick fix. Those are all quick fixes. And then you feel like, yes. And then you're back to where you started. Right. You're addicted to that feeling. Mm -hmm. You're addicted to remaining numb. Be addicted to recognizing what is in front of you. As I go through all these pictures, you know, I, I keep going. It's very healing and, and emotional. Right. But I'm as I'm scanning pictures for the kids, I can I have watched the the transition over those years. I can. It's almost like you know a timeline of look there it is and look oh there there we go and it's it's <laughs> it's interesting. It makes me feel bad that I didn't recognize it, which I know I'm not, you know, when I say that. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. But it still is like, I, yeah. I get it too. Yeah. And then it makes me really feel so sad. I had somebody say to me, you know, narcissists don't care. Narcissists don't take their lives. Well, narcissists can take their lives. Yes. They're too selfish. Anyway. Somebody, yeah, it was just... Gosh, it was like yesterday somebody said, well, narcissists don't take their lives. I'm like, well, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> doesn't matter what you want to label somebody. Right. That person is struggling. They're numbing themselves. They're self-medicating. They're denying what is really going on. And you get to a point. But we don't have to get to that point because we can provide you these tools yep. and, and practice these tools. And the, that muscle memory of shooting if need be, you're pulling your gun or, you know, taking the ladder truck, whatever it looks like, that muscle memory of doing what it is. We can correct that muscle. We can keep that muscle memory, but also create a muscle memory of, wait a minute, that feeling doesn't feel good. Right. I need to go talk to somebody. Right. I need to go I exercise, like, decompress. Like yeah. 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 I know. It's like, I will forever be like, what do you mean? When people say, well, that person would never have done that. Yeah, until they do. Right. And I just had this conversation um, with a friend just this past, I think it was Sunday, maybe even Monday. Um, it, we were talking and and I know what they meant, but they said, Matt, I, Matt would have been the last one I thought that took his life. And I said, yeah, but Matt was the happy one. Matt was the one that did for everybody. Matt was the one that made everybody smile. Matt was the jokester. Matt was Matt was everything. And he looked at me and he goes, like Robin Williams. We never just saw the depression. I'm like, right. Do you th- does did Matt feel like a Matt? Like a a Matt, like at the front oh, door. Doormat? Doormat. Yes, Thank you. Absolutely. And it didn't he it was a learning process too for him. Like for a long time, he just thought things were like that and that and that's the way it was supposed to be but then through his like when he started getting help and working he was like man I have been a doormat to people for a long time and not I never mind um it it wasn't necessarily work or home it was just he felt like a doormat he felt used and um and it it was bothersome to him and then all of a sudden he like flipped really quickly and, but that was at the same time, like I knew, I noticed like everything changed in him. Like he was angry. He was drinking a lot again. Like there was just all the stuff that came at one point. 
And, you know, like, even his friend, you know, was like, I, I don't know what happened behind closed doors. But he said to me, too, he's like, you gave Matt the best two years of his life. Like, he would have been gone a long time before you, too. Like, that I fully, and he said, I fully believe that. Like, knowing what I know now, like, he held on for a very long time. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if he would have had all those tools to, or I can't even, I don't, you know, it's really hard to say because... Matt Matt had that full stigma. Matt was fully that person with the stigma in his brain where he didn't, I mean, he, that would obviously because he had his prescription drugs for depression and anxiety right. that he wasn't taking. So he had that full in his brain. So it's, it's getting, it's teaching over and over and over again. And sometimes it's like, knock, 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 knock. Let me just, and I do that. I put, I repost things all the time that say pretty much the same thing, just in different verbiage of retrain the stigma that is here and we can keep talking about it. And then we're not going to have those old school cowboys, quote unquote, that I say, like Matt, that will actually get the help instead of pretend to get the help. They will do it. They will say, I'm hurting. I need help. They will take the medication that's prescribed to them. And I get it. You know, like my friend said he he was prescribed medicine and he was like, I, the first, the first thing says suicide. I'm not taking that. And I'm like, I, all of them say that, but I completely also understand that too, because I know when Matt first died, they wanted to medicate me. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, but because it was also before we knew that he wasn't taking his medication. Um, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like he died because of this. And there, and you know, my doctor was like, no, Sierra, you know, like I know the statistics there. It's on every single medic, you know, mental health bottle. But yeah. but then who's to say? You won't you won't take your life if you take it or you don't take it. Like right. it's a it's it's a it's a tool to help you and get you through. Like and I told him I was like, so if you start it, just keep have you know, I'll check in with you. I'll check in with you morning and night. Like see how you're doing. You know, like there you have to do all these tools. One thing isn't going to fix you. It's multiple things and doing them religiously and recognizing your behavior and how you're feeling. And, and that is so true. And you don't always have to be on it for the rest of your life, necessarily. Yeah, and if you yeah. do have to, who the fuck cares? Who cares? You who would cares? take a heart medication for the rest of your life if right? they told you your heart was bad. Right. It's like it's, it's needed to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And the sooner you recognize that, the less likely you are to have to be on it longer or the more comfortable and understanding you become with it because it's new. Yeah. yeah. It's new. And stigma is a mark of disgrace associated with particular circumstances, quality, or person. Why not create stigma as a positive? Right. Look what we've done. Really bad, but. <laughs> say it. F that stigma. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because it doesn't have to be. No. Let's show our children, our friends, our family, those that might be struggling, those that are honestly trying to understand or stuck in the, this is the way we've always done it, mindset. Right. You don't know unless you're in those shoes. You don't know that that event is different than this event. 
Well, and even if you're in those shoes, your shoes may look different than those shoes. So right. everybody can handle – everybody's different. And that's one thing that, you know, we just really need to recognize even more so, not just in on a first responder world, but a civilian world. In, in a human being world, we're all different. We all have – we can all go through the same thing but have a different experience on it. So – Yes. We have to we have to recognize that and we have to not punish people for them hurting for something that doesn't hurt you. Right. And make that support support for you. When you make that change in you, people see that. When you get that help, people see it. They will help themselves. That's the goal. And if not, that has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with their struggles. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. Absolutely not. But you can at least provide them the the morsels of knowledge to make them hungry or thirsty mm-hmm. for the positive in life. Absolutely. All right. So break the stigma. Change the mindset. And F the stigma. And not just yeah. break it, F it. Stomp the crap out of it. <laughs> That's right. Have a wonderful day. You too.